Welcome to episode 183. Today, we learn how to support bilingual reading in heritage languages at home. Welcome to the Teaching Multilingual Learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families. When I was a young child, my mother sent me to Vietnamese school hosted at a local church. Her goal was to have me become a fluent reader and writer in Vietnamese. I would spend two hours on Sunday learning the vowels, the consonants, and the diacritical marks, the marks that let us know what tone we should use. I would promptly forget them the next day. My mother tried to have me be a literate Vietnamese person. However, Sending me to school for those just two hours is not enough. In this podcast, we learn about what it takes to support bilingual reading at home with Maria Parvin. Now, on to today's podcast. I'm so excited to have Maria Parvin on the podcast. She wrote an article called 10 Powerful and Effective Strategies to Promote and support reading at home for bilingual children. You had me at the title, Maria. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Maria, can you start us off with telling a story about your own multilingual reading journey? Um, Yes, of course. This is actually how I got um, interested in languages and um, got interested in reading as well. Um, I grew up with my grandparents, and my grandfather uh, was bilingual, Bulgarian and Russian. And he was the one who taught me how to read. And we spent many, many days uh, together when I was uh, reading in Russian, and he would translate it for me. And uh, because I was born and raised in Bulgaria, it's the same Cyrillic alphabet. It wasn't... um, that difficult just to decode and very a lot of words are similar but um, it's the emotion that I created with reading and the uh, fascination that started with uh, being exposed to multiple languages Um, and for me it was uh, self-explanatory that I want to have a lot of languages in my life and I want to be able to access books in the original language because there was there is always something to learn. There is about how people do life, about how people experience different things um, because language is shaped, um, you know, based on the mentality of people and everybody sees things through a different lens. So um, I... I was lucky enough to to experience this quite early. And um, that's why I also left Bulgaria when I was 18. Um, yeah, and moved to Germany to, um, to study. So how many languages do you speak? Well, I'm fluent in Bulgarian, German, and English. And then I have, I understand a lot of Russian. Um, I understand a lot of Dutch. And... Of course, a lot of the Eastern European languages, um, I understand more or less depending on the language. 
So you're a polyglot. So what do you notice about uh, a person who'd learned multiple languages? I think we're very flexible. And I believe that people who speak multiple languages are also a lot more empathetic because they know what it's like not to be understood sometimes and to be what it is to try and find ways to express oneself. So we are a lot more tolerant to mistakes as well. Um, and we're very grateful if um, a person um, has decided to learn and try to speak our one of the languages that we speak if none of the languages uh, match, right? Yeah. Well, privet, uh, Maria. <laughs> only only a few phrases in russian so i'll 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 save the uh, other few later yes would you tell us about uh, where you come from right now like what's your work context so people know um, your expertise yes um i um i have a degree in linguistics and applied linguistics um and um, I have a qualification in teaching multilingual learners. And currently I work for um, raising bilingual children together with two colleagues, Daphne Blahuyanis and Eowyn Crisfield. And we work with families. Um, we help them um, on their multilingual journey, basically everything that it entails, planning for their goals, planning for input, planning for literacy, um, and um, yeah, we help them to reach their goals. That's because in bilingual families, it, it doesn't happen by accident. It's an intentional act. And so, but a lot of parents, uh, like for my example, my family, we didn't, my, we wanted my family to be bilingual, but they didn't realize like, oh my goodness, how, what does that really mean? How, how do we, how does, what does that entail? Yes, you have to be really intentional. A lot of people, a lot of people sort of um, wing it or decide to wing it and eventually are not particularly happy with the results. Um, I think, first of all, you need to start with learning about bilingualism, multilingualism and development, what it entails and what it means. and. Um, and then you have to be really honest with yourself um, about your family and about your children. What languages, because you might have five, six, seven languages to choose from, but you need to be really honest about which languages you want to choose and pass to your children. And only after um, this, having decided this, can you make the, um, can you make the decision what strategies to apply and how to do it? But having learned about bilingual, um, multilingualism, um, you are then able to <laughs> troubleshoot on the way, let's say, and you understand what's normal and what's not normal. But you're absolutely right. You need to be intentional if you want to achieve concrete results. Well, let's talk about some concrete results. Let's talk yeah. about first... Why should we support literacy at home and in our home languages? There are a couple of reasons for this. Um, first of all, it's important, they're in no particular order, but it's important 
to sustain the culture. It's important to, um, to preserve the culture and to pass on the culture, to share experiences. Um, so home language literacy is a bridge to the home culture, so to say. And knowing where they come from, knowing um, a part of the different parts of them, uh, of, of them that they can identify with, it's um, they can, children can be more grounded and they can appear in the world um, being more self-confident. And of course, a huge reason why is because reading is super important for home language sustenance and for language learning. Um, it helps children to develop um, a strong foundation in their home language and it promotes a love for reading, which is super important. In order to sustain the language over time, you have to teach your children to um, learn to read for pleasure. So you sort of um, raise uh, lifelong readers. Yeah, I often see in international schools, parents will say, oh yeah, I only speak English at home with my kid. I'm like, but English is not your most fluent language. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the student ready but at the, yes. like, what do you say with that? Like, let, let's say that there's a Thai family who speaks Thai more fluently than English, but chooses to use English at home with their child in preparation of them going to international schools. Well, I would, of course, ask a few more questions about the exact language allocation and dynamic at home. But as a rule of thumb, it's super important to preserve the home language because it, it helps develop cognitive skills. Um, and when the cognitive skills are developed, um, you know, suitable for the uh, certain age, then it's much easier for them to learn the school language. And consequently, it's then they're able to achieve better academic results. And um, it helps, languages are all connected. So when we are good in our home language, when we are able to develop a mature level, it's going to be much easier to learn the school language. And then the same goes for literacy. It, it's transferable. So, and also, um, building on the home language is not going to interfere with learning the school language in any way. Yeah, often parents say, I'm, I'm afraid that if I don't speak English, it's gonna, my, their Thai, their Khmer, their Lao is gonna interfere with their English. I'm like, that could not be further from the truth. Yes, and unfortunately, a lot of mainstream schools still give this advice to parents. And sometimes also it has to do with the language status, the home language of the family. Very, very unfortunate, but um, sadly a fact. Can you talk more about that? What is home language? Uh, what is language status? Um, well, every language has a particular status based on the setting, right? Um, so some languages, well, let's say not all languages are created equal in a certain country, um, sadly. And some languages are treated as being much lower level than other languages. 
let's say in Europe, French, Spanish, English are very high status languages. And if you are um, an English speaking kid who comes to, let's say, Dutch school or French school, it's much less likely to be advised to abandon your home language because it's a very high status language and it's a very useful language. But there are other languages. I'll give you my home language, Bulgarian. As an example, Eastern European languages are not very popular languages, not very high status languages. And there is a very high chance that if my son, for example, um, is doing really bad or not that well in school, that they might say, oh, this is because there are too many languages at home and just drop the languages and focus on Dutch, even though we're not Dutch speakers. We, or we speak a bit, but by far not enough to pass on this language on an academic level. Let's talk about how does reading at home support language development for multilingual children? Reading promotes language learning. This is a fact. And a child's vocabulary. So we basically learn language um, when we learn vocabulary through input and figuring out how language works. So the more a child is being read to, the more their vocabulary size um, expands. And studies have found that the, vo that the vocabulary size of a child correlates with, the, with how often they're being read to in their home language. And so reading can help multilingual children um, maintain and strengthen the home language and build the foundation, the foundation, the language foundation that, they're, that they need in order to, first of all, to develop and maintain this foundation as well, but also to build further languages and uh, learn different languages. Yeah, I think about all the languages that I can read in, the ones that I can read in are the ones that I'm most mm -hmm. fluent in. Yeah. Let's talk about um, a lot of people find struggles to find books in their home languages. Do you have a solution for them? Um, of course. There are, especially us people with a little bit of lower status languages, where the, you know, the, the, supply of books is not um, big. Um, parents can use, um, for example, with younger children, wordless books are great because they're not really language dependent. And my favorite ones are search and find books. They're a big hit in our family. Um, and it's the sort of Where's Waldo? but there are so many different ones. And we recently found one with um, penguins that go on a trip. And there is so much happening on every page because they go on many different trips for, uh, they go to the North Pole, they go to Egypt, they go to Paris, they go to London, but this packed with so much action. And there is so much that you can do with those pictures so many things you can talk about, so many stories, um, a wealth of vocabulary. And even if some of those books come with a little bit of text, they're fantastic to use um, um, as a reading resource. And 
it's great to practice, um, you know, more flexible approaches too, like translanguaging. Um, and of course, um, using a book with in a certain language that you speak and translating as you go is also fantastic. Um, but yeah, and I always find um, illustrations very, especially for visual learners like me, I find um, illustrations very powerful. And they say, don't judge a book by the cover, but I sometimes do, I have to admit. Um, because you feel very attracted to the illustrations and there is a lot you can do. They're also great for building vocabulary, you know, when you, because reading is a receptive skill, but it's, it can be extremely interactive and it should be at home. When you talk about uh, the story and when you talk about the pictures and the characters, and even before you start reading, you can and should talk to your child and discuss what they expect to see in the book, what they expect to hear, what they think the story is about. And there is a lot of vocabulary that can be pulled out of this. I like the idea of finding like search and find books and you could use your home languages to talk about, let's yes. find this and let's find that. Let's find the pumpkin in, in using Kamai. Let's find the house in Kamai. And so cute yes. students are using that language that they hear uh, connected into a wordless picture book. So wonderful. Yes, and it helps them learn concepts, right? right? It's great for concept learning as well. Right. That's where um, heritage home languages are so helpful because they help kids understand a, a concept such as like friendship first, and then they're able to apply that to when they hear friendship in another language, like, oh, I already know what that is. Yeah, so they basically just need to learn the new word in the new language for it, but they don't have to reacquaint themselves with the meaning of it. Can you elaborate on why reading out loud to children is so important? Reading aloud is a very powerful tool. Um, it can be very inspirational and motivational for children um, to get them excited about um, different topics and different books. Um, above all else, it nurtures the love for reading. Um, and as I mentioned before, it's really important for a child to learn to, lead, uh, to read for pleasure. Um, it also, of course, supports the exposure to the home language. It allows for discussions and deliberations and um, vocabulary learning as well. Another great thing that um, we can do when we read aloud is we can expose our children to literature that they're not necessarily able to access on their own. If it's more difficult texts, we can read it to them and talk about it and explain it. Of course, it helps expand vocabulary. And um, last but not least is great for comprehension and developing of listening skills. So what role does child agency play in fostering a love of reading in multilingual children? Um, okay, first, let me briefly mention what agency is. Um, it's really simple. It's the active role that children can play in their own learning. And in our case, in their language learning, language development. So it's a huge motivating factor. Um, allowing them to use their agency because it happens very often that 
as children grow up, home languages uh, get very neglected, um, especially if they're not a part of the school curriculum. They, um, you know, children, they have a lot more interest, they um, have a lot more homework, so they don't really want to bother and uh, build on their home language, but by allowing them to be a driving force in choosing what they read, um, choosing in their active learning, it's, um, it can be very helpful and very motivating for them. Um, it's something that I do with my son quite often when we go to the library um, is he has a clear idea of what he wants to find there. And I, I always let him explore and we go through the different aisles and look at the different books. And I try to help him and encourage him to find different books. And we always have this rule that he, is, he takes a couple of books that he found, but we also take one or two books that I think might be interesting for him. and. Um, very often, very often, he finds them very interesting once he starts reading at home. Letting them choose and helping them in their choices and guiding them and showing them also what is possible and what else is out there. You started talking about your experience with your son. Would you actually tell us more um, as a parent who's raising bilingual children? Can you share some tips that you would give to parents on? Um, what does that look like, like raising bilingual children to read? So what are the things that you do? Tell us more. Um, having just talked about agency, um, I would definitely choose books that are interesting for them. Um, and very often um, you can base your choices as a parent on um, their hobbies uh, their different interests, the uh, things that they've mentioned. It's sometimes um, even, you know, like they mention something uh, along the way and then take a note and then offer a book to them on this topic. And um, also books that they have a, a favorite TV show. And of course, very often they would prefer to watch TV rather than sit and read a book or look at a book. So you can also find books that are based on the different characters of a TV show. Um, reading aloud, of course, is another thing. Um, focusing on the story is, um, is a very, very important uh, thing to get them engaged. Because if they look at a book, they might be like, oh, I don't, you know, don't leave me alone. And uh, don't bother me now with this. But when you talk about the story, when you try to, um, you know, have a discussion with them, and especially with younger kids, this is really helpful when you try to act it out. Some parents feel like they're making fools of themselves. It's, it's maybe it's not for everyone. Um, you know, doing different voices and doing different characters. Uh, but very often I find my daughter, she's four, and she loves that. So she takes a character and I take a character or my husband and we 
you know, we have our own little performance, but it's, it's really helpful because sometimes we even do this. We have a book and I speak Bulgarian. My husband speaks English. And then we kind of do our own little thing. And then she alternates depending on what she feels more comfortable with in which context she uses um, either language. So it's really interesting to to watch and experience and be a part of, of course. That's really cute. Would you, so most of this podcast has been talking about families and their children. What strategies, what suggestions can you give to teachers and supporting parents as they help raise bilingual children to read in multiple languages? First and foremost, parents need to know that they're not teachers. And they reading, learning to read at home and learning to read in school is completely different. And a lot of parents try to emulate the strategies that are used in school and they don't have time and they don't have the resources and they don't have the knowledge and the experience to do that. And it, it, it just causes a lot of stress and learning to read at home should be um, more relaxed, a little bit more casual. And parents need to know that everything, um, anything can be reading at home. Shopping lists, postcards, everything is reading um, and writing. And um, I think um, parents and teachers should um, really build very strong partnerships in talking about and talk about the different, you know, the different literacy interests of the child at home. So parents shouldn't be worried that reading at home would, would somehow interfere with reading in school. And if they see different influence from one language or the other, they should be, they should know that that's quite normal. And I think um, exchanging information um, like this is very important. So teachers know that children are interested, that they're developing multiple literacies at the same time. And if they see that they're either lagging behind or they're, um, you know, writing, making spelling mistakes or mispronouncing things that they know where that comes from. That gives us a lot to think about. I think the next article you should be writing about is called um, Myths for Developing Multilingual Children, right? Yes. For parents, so you're like, <laughs> can you keep bursting myths? <laughs> yes. Cool. Yes. I have one. I have one in my pipeline. Yes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Let's end the podcast this way. We, uh, What do you ask teachers to stop doing, start doing, and continue doing? You can talk about parents or teachers in terms of raising bilingual children to read. I think parents should be role models. I think this is a very, um, a very big thing, a very big one, uh, because children learn from, uh, learn by example a lot more than from being told what to do. It's a lifelong process. It's, um, it's not something that can be done. A lot of parents say, oh, I want my child to be fluent in three years. It doesn't happen like this. 
it's um, it's a gradual and it's a very modular experience. It's um, it has ebbs and flows, and depending on your context and depending on the purpose you're using your languages for, um, sometimes then uh, sometimes they get really good in the language, and the other language sort of uh, falls behind and then depending on the circumstances is the other way around so it's a it's a process it's not a product and we're still developing our languages as we enter adulthood and later what about the other two um, stop doing and continue doing flexible and um, adopt and adapting uh, your family language policy um, on a regular basis because every every time your child has a new interest or something big happens in your life you need to look at your strategy and adapt your strategy so it's also an ongoing process and what they should stop doing is they should stop doing that mixing language is confusing i uh this is one of the things that I hear on a regular basis and um, a lot of parents are really very much um, fixated on one language not mixing and not making mistakes and being perfect and it just doesn't this is not how language learning and acquisition works so being more relaxed and enjoying the process well, this has been an enjoyable process as well. Thank you for spending your time. Spasiva. For, <laughs> it means thank you for sharing and totally writing. You're totally welcome. <laughs> That's in Bulgarian. Well, thank yes. you so much. <laughs> thank <laughs> you so all. much. Thank you, Maria. That's been lovely. Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast. My invitation is to check out my three courses on English Learner Portal. One is on creating the conditions for MLs to thrive, one on teacher collaboration, and one based on my co-authored book with Beth Skelton called Long-Term Success for Experienced Multilinguals. Now, on to our recap. Supporting bilingual reading at home is to pop the myths around language acquisition. Chief among them is the misconception that one language will interfere in another language acquisition. We know from Cummings' research that one language can actually support the development of another. When we share this with families, they will feel free from the pressure of having to speak at English and start using and continue using their heritage language with their children. This is the most important thing families can do when supporting their students in learning English more quickly and more fluently. Thank you for listening. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode.